Welcome in. This time, it really is the Steve Ontiveros episode. Yes. <laughs> this is not a rebuild. I am Matt Trueblood. The whole gang is here. We've got a good show for you tonight. Uh, I'll just go around my screen here. DJ Fox is with us. Yeah, but I do. There he is. Tom Nurse is here. Hello. There he is. And so is Todd Trueblood. Here I is. All right. All four voices accounted for. Uh, this is obviously a special episode. Big retirement news all over the sports landscape today. Uh, goodbye, Tom Brady. Thank God at last. <laughs> finally out of my Will life. Will it take? <laughs> I hope so. Will it take and this time? <laughs> Now, more relevant to us, I suppose, is Dexter Fowler retiring. Although, as Tom pointed out, I think we all sort of thought he'd already retired. Yeah. So, uh, it was a quiet. It was more of a more of a whimper than a bang to end Dexter's career. But did you guys see that? Like just today, they announced he's going to immediately jump into a studio analyst role for Marquee. Oh, nice for the Cubs. Oh, yeah. awesome! No, oh, yeah, I, I like that. That's cool. I like that guy. Yeah, he's eminently likable. And uh, that studio group that they have, it's it's a rotation. Nobody's there like every day, which is probably for the best. But uh, it's it's a really good group. And I mm. think he'll add something nice to it. I say that and I have not ever and probably will not for any at any point I can confidently predict in the future watch a pre or post game show on Mark. Yeah. But uh same here. Sounds cable. Yeah. I they're clearly working to try to make that more of a value add and draw more people in on either side of the actual game broadcast, juice the ratings a bit and sell more ads, but I don't know. It's a it's not gonna hurt anything to have Dexter around. Well, can we call um, the phenomenon of a player we thought was long retired who's still playing, can we call that the Dexter Fowler phenomenon then to go along with the Earl Weaver phenomenon, which is a, a greater thing? Yeah, I, I'm fine with it. Unless I, we think uh, of a better example of somebody like, you know, is Lou Brock still playing, for instance? And we're all like, what? <laughs> you know? I mean, Dexter Fowler is a pretty good, you know, you know example the of that, I think. The broader name, have I done this rant for you guys? The, the broader name that society uses for this is the Mandela effect. But I hate that. I hate it too. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's like, remember when we all thought this was like, no, I never thought that. I never because thought that. It's not, it's <laughs> it's not, not something thing. small and trivial, like is Dexter Fowler retired or exactly. has he faded into obscurity? No, yeah. you're misremembering a man who is vital to world history dying about halfway through the arc of of his world changing uh it's it's just illiteracy at that point 
<laughs> and you guys are surprised by this? I, I'm not surprised that people have that misremembering thing. I'm surprised that we uh, embrace it as something small and cute and yeah, like a psychological exactly. quirk as opposed right. to a massive <laughs> failure. Uh, but anyway, we should. what we should do is get the entire world to rename the Mandela effect the Earl Weaver effect. Mm. And then we've got it. And then we just apply that to everything from then on. Like, for instance, did you guys know they're still airing new episodes of Family Guy? Family Guy. (laughs) Wow. It's 2023. What, new ones? Like, newly made? Yes. Well, since it's a cartoon, I mean, since it's animated, I I guess, you know, they're still making Simpsons, too, for that matter, right? Mm, True, really. Yeah. The Simpsons and... crossed a bright line at some point, though, where you just assume they're going to be on forever. That's a soap opera now. It's yeah. just a cartoon soap opera. Right. But Family Guy never took on that quality of timelessness, and yet it's surviving. It's going on a quarter century old here. And really, speaking, speaking wow. of surviving, Survivor is still on. Survive, yeah. <laughs> on. Which is insane to me. I didn't realize there, and people are like, there are people. Who are wildly into it mm. every season I, still i'm related to people who are wildly into it yes so. as am i uh, i watched the yeah. first season 30 years ago and that's that's I, I enjoyed it but i just have not bothered since then oh, okay i thought you guys were going to say that you were both very closely related <laughs> and it was both of you <laughs> well but imagine after all these years one of the four of us is going to be a contestant because they're going to run out of people so. <laughs> It makes Extra you Fowler is now in the running, actually. <laughs> Suddenly the doorbell rings and people just grab you and throw you in a car yeah. and take you to a dang damn it. <laughs> show. Uh, it's like, no, it's going to happen to you at some point in your life. If you're... See, that's a TV show. I think Tom and I did that when we were young. We would just randomly kidnap people and, and take them on wild rides around yeah. Peoria, Illinois. But um, we, we got sent to jail for it. That's a thing. Yeah. So, well, that's why yeah. you started taking these excursions you know out of the country right north we'll cool our heels in northwest territories for a month that often <laughs> people are more loosey-goosey about short-term kidnapping it's that it's a joyride just I will say, stuff. look no one who was ever watching it was seriously under the impression that these people's lives were in danger but the conceit of survivor really starts to crack when you're 24 seasons in and no one's even suffered a, a life-threatening injury yeah you know? let's have something at stake here you know whatever you Sorry. thought was at stake it can't be the math the law of averages had to have caught up to someone by now if it yeah. wasn't being artificially suppressed i mean many of those people have died of old age you know it wasn't the show you know Is, so dj wow. you you seem like an authority on this is jeff Probst still hosting it oh yeah he i is. honestly don't know no, Todd he is. Knows. Yeah. Well, Marty and I, Marty and I watch it still occasionally. So it's, you know, I don't know. It's hard to keep up with them. And it's kind of the same old crap every time, too. So what are you going to do? Truly, how could they still have any new ideas? Uh, maybe they'll just get Jeff Probst to hand off uh, the show to his son at this point. You know, he'll, before he even retires, they'll just hand it down to the next generation. Like, Much like LeBron. Well, sure. <laughs> That's a good, very timely point. I was going to say uh, the carries, now that Chip is 
Oh, yeah. Uh, come and full then they circle. will call that the Jeff Probst effect. <laughs> and LeBron will be the first winner. We're just, we're going to rewrite the uh, Wikipedia page for psychological effects and <laughs> global sociology. Yeah. Yeah. And four yeah. people in the world are going to care. <laughs> well, I, three. I think by the time we get done with the project, even one of us will lose interest. But yeah, I'll pre- I, I, I'll pre- <laughs> there's a good chance I'd be dead too. So that's, you know. Did you guys see? So LeBron had a triple double last night. He's now Jesus. like sometime in the next week to 10 days. And I don't know 89. exactly the Lakers schedule. 89 gonna, points. Say what? 89 points away. Yeah. So he's going to pass Kareem. Which mm. is that all time? No. Yeah. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Huh. I'm not sure I ever thought anyone was going to pass Kareem. I, that felt a little bit like a, um, maybe not like Cy Young's wins, but, but close to that level of nobody's going to because no one's really trying to break that number. But LeBron's going to do it and he's going to like kind of cruise by it at yeah. this point. And was I think he the he oldest? To do the triple-double the other night? The first person to ever do it in his 20th NBA season or later. Was he oh. the actual oldest? I'm not sure, but huh. you know, at that point, wow. it's academic. He just moved into either fourth or fifth all-time for assists as well, yeah. which that's insane to have wow. both of those. Points I mean, he, won't, he won't ever get first in assists. He probably won't even get second, but he's got to pass uh, Chris Paul, who's still playing. Um, and just maybe like, I think he's got him by, I think I calculated he needs like four or five more years after Chris Paul because he's averaging like 350 a year and he's a good like 12, 1200 down or something like that, 1300. So, but I, I mean, just to be the, the leading scorer in the league and then also ending up, you know, fourth or fifth all time in assists is absurd. Yes. I, we talked a couple of years ago about how he'd done this career sort of transformation or evolution with the the saber metrics of basketball coming in and like everybody started shooting three-point shots so lebron started shooting them too and turned out he could just be really good at that if he really put his mind to it but what i love is this year he's been like nah forget that and at nearly 40 suddenly the man is storming through the lane and jumping out on fast breaks and throwing down dunks like he's 30 again I don't understand. <laughs> I can't make sense of it, but he's, it's extraordinary. Wow. He's averaging 30 points a game and he's only done that one other time. And it was last year. I hope he does it forever. And I don't know why I love his dominance so much. And I loathed Tom Brady so much, but that's exactly how I did feel. And so today is a very good day for me. <laughs> I like. Uh, I don't even the, like. Uh, I don't even like the Browns. I like the thing that you sent us, DJ. The last active professional athlete drafted by the Montreal Expos is officially retired. Which is who? I didn't get a name. Tom Who's Brady. Tom Brady? <laughs> what? That's who that was. <laughs> I mean, it was it was Photoshop. Yeah, that was made of Chris okay. Widger erasure. Okay. They yeah. put Tom's very handsome head on. Chris Widger's rather unsightly body. <laughs> and, uh, Chris Widger just sounds like someone who's probably not a pinup guy. You know, probably not the best looking guy in the world. No, it's he's pretty well covered. You don't know that it's unsightly. 
<laughs> you can't really tell if he's like he's got like blotches and stuff and it's just like trial tips, you know, back acne that. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to insult Chris Widger. I'm sorry for for letting him catch strays. I was actually trying to stand up for his honor cuz it's I, not a I podcast like without uh, usually it's Todd who does the insulting, but you know. <laughs> not, we still have time. We still we have time. time. <laughs> Give me Chris Widger over Tom Brady any day. Cut it and print it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we should talk some Cubs on this sure. ostensibly Cubs podcast tonight, though. Uh, not that they made any particular news recently, although I think so. I listened to a podcast. Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> Jed Hoyer Oops. jumped on a show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Too many J names. I was bound to mess up one of them. Uh, he did a podcast with them earlier this week. And one of the small takeaways I got from it was he mentioned feeling like his big mistake in negotiating with Anthony Rizzo uh, about a potential extension a couple of years ago was letting it linger all the way through spring training and not trying to get it done, getting the ball rolling more before spring training and then aiming to have it done or not by kind of the midpoint thereof. So I kind of think that we are now starting right now and for the next month and not much more on uh, Ian Happ or Nico Horner extension watch. Mm. But there's, there's news kind of looming and we know the Cubs are still interested in adding to their bullpen, adding to their bench, but they haven't done anything splashy recently. And I think we're starting to settle into the idea that the core of the roster is here. And so I thought what we could do tonight is, uh, Go around and everybody get a chance to throw out how you would line them up to start the season at this point. One through nine on the lineup and then the starting rotation. We won't worry about the bullpen because I do think more stuff is coming there and it's a bit of a jumble at the moment. But we can pencil in those those key spots and then talk a little bit about where we differ and why. Um, so I don't know, uh, DJ, you want to lead us off on that? can do that. You want the lineup first or the rotation? Let's do the lineup first. Okay. I I guarantee none of the four of you have, have this guy for the leadoff, uh, and therefore none of you have my lineup. <laughs> but I'm right, so uh, <laughs> I, I will start with <clears> – <throat> I'm going to go with our right fielder, who I think is going to have a, a true breakout year, uh, Seiya. Oh, I'm going to cool. put him him at the top of the order. I like the tools he has. I like his ability to get on base, and I think it's it's going to really showcase this year. Uh, then you don't pay a guy $177 million and not let him for sure get four at-bats a game. So Dansby is our, our number two guy playing short. Then I'm going with the Horner-Hap combo. Probably none of you have Horner at mm-hmm. number three, but – I, I just like how those guys kind of complement each other in that order. So Horner at second, of course, happened left. And then, I mean, you got to have, you got to have Bally bombs in there at number five. He's, I mean, he's going to hit 30 pumps and it's going to be fun to watch. Maybe 40, maybe 40. Uh, oh, Bellinger. Is it that you're going with Bellinger? Hit yep. 40 home runs. Yep. Okay. man. You are a Cub fan. I love it. 
Well, I also think Horner's going to hit 25. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah we established that last week. Yeah. So that's why he's my three hole guy. Um, then but, I'm yeah, getting. But What's that? DJ's the only one that DJ's the only one that knows that they moved the the fences into 200 feet over the winter. <laughs> yeah, that news is coming, but it's going to be, yeah. uh, you know, kind of muddied with the contract talks between Hap and Horner. Uh, so then I need another H in my lineup because you can't just have two H's. So um, that's a rule. Everyone knows that. Uh, Hosmer okay. is going to be the sixth spot. And I like that because you kind of go lefty, righty, and then Mancini. Mac, he's a lefty, right? Mancini is a righty. Mancini's a righty. Hosmer's a lefty. I think you okay. want to flip flop. Well, yeah. Nah, maybe I do. I do want to flip them actually. So I'll go. I'll go. Ballinger, Mancini, Hosmer. So that's lefty, righty, lefty. Lefty, righty, lefty. So they'll get those guys are switched, and I'll I'm putting Hosmer at first and Mancini at DH, and then uh, we're gonna put we're gonna put the guy that you know maybe some of you don't have in an everyday lineup, uh, Patrick Wisdom at playing third. I feel like if if the guy can't produce in the eight spot in a, a lineup that's significantly better, um, why put him on the field? And I and I think he's worth playing. So I think I think he'll do well in the eight spot this year. And then, of course, Tucker at number nine, because as much as I like Jan Gomes, uh, he just he doesn't need to play anywhere near as much as Barnhart does. So that's that's what I have. I love it. Honestly, there are there are a few things there that I really like. You're right that it doesn't look like mine, but uh, yeah, some good, good talking points there. Tom, throw us yours. Yeah, I've got uh, young Horner leading off. Yeah, baby. At second base. A lead off um, homers. How many homers? <laughs> 15 of them would be lead off homers. Yeah. Okay. 15 we get those extra ABs, so you never know. Um, That's got to be a record, doesn't it? <laughs> if they all come to lead off the game, I think it would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but if they third, all came to lead off the game, it still probably wouldn't be as many as um, – uh, who does have the most leadoff homers in a season leading up the game? I think it was Soriano. Is it Soriano? He went nuts a yeah. couple of years doing that. I thought, wasn't Altuve doing some of that too? He was. Um, Just because he was cheating. I moved him around the top two spots. Yeah. even Trash cans. So. Mm. Henderson had 28 home runs one year or 29. Yeah. Probably. Five of those let off the game, five or six. So, yeah, Horner, Suzuki, um, hmm. the second H, Hap, is going to bat third with his, what, 32 home runs, DJ? Is that what we're projecting here? Yeah, 34 maybe. 34 mic drops, okay. Uh, Swansby, <laughs> going to clean it up, boys. Wow. He's going to clean up this town. He's got some protection in the lineup. Bellinger. Center field, batting fifth. That's number five. Bellinger might get second in comeback player of the year to another Cub who gets first. Okay. Uh -oh. We'll leave him hanging. Mancini, old horse, uh, first base, batting sixth. Yeah, I'm moving him up on the lineup. Uh, uh -huh. And this is probably against right-handers. You got young Hosmer. 
Um, I, got, I got that same five, six, seven. Oh, do you? You've got yeah, Bellinger, yeah. Mancini, and Hosburn. Okay. And then um, you got uh, Tucker Barnhart. All right. Batting eighth. And then, okay. So I've got Morrell at third base. Now that leaves Wisdom out. So Wisdom will bat against uh, Southpaws, in which case the lineup gets juggled a bit. But, um, Gosh, I like wisdom. Why do I think that he might kind of disappoint this year? You know, uh, and, and a season has he, he previously appointed? Well, I don't know. You know, kind of I a mean, Frank effect, maybe. <laughs> Frank effect. Oh, the pain. doggone it! That one still hurts. But yeah, that's that's my lineup, <laughs> and uh, I'm sticking with it. Doggone it! I like it. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I think. I do think uh, if people hadn't had to throw out all of the Schwizdom t-shirts that they bought mm. just because of the Schwa half, yeah, and they might still feel more loyalty to the to the Isdom part of it. Mm. Well, this is a ninety-win lineup, so beat that. Whoever's next, yeah, wow. sure. I mean, ninety wins against certain types of competition or with certain other elements involved. Uh, Dad, what have you got? <laughs> Okay, so I don't, uh, you know how I am. I don't, uh, I didn't take into consideration whether they're, you know, we're going against righties or lefties or whatever I went with the most likely to be playing most of the time. Uh, So I agree with Tom. Horner is uh, leading off and playing second base. Yeah. Um, I think I also agree with Tom. No, I do not. I don't know. Who's your number two? Suzuki. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I do not agree with Tom. I went with Swansby at short. Um, again, I do agree with DJ and that he's got to get four bats every time and we get to get our money's worth out of this boy. Uh, um, I went back and forth on this. Originally, when I started this, this I had the Cornish left fielder uh, leading mm-hmm. off, and then I dropped him to, to third um, because of his 34, what, 34 or 36 home runs, DJ? I think it's at 38 now. <laughs> yeah. Every it's time you ask, it increases. So it's keep asking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, half and left, uh, bat and third. Suzuki in right field, uh, le- clean, cleaning up. Uh, bing, bing, bing. Hosber, Hosmer, Wisdom, Mancini. First, third, DH. Mm. Uh, I, I sandwiched them, or those two H's around Wisdom. Um, I don't know why, but I, I don't see that, uh, our coach, what's his name? Um, Dave, he's gonna, he's, I don't think he's going to take the leap and bring Morel into play third on a regular basis. Maybe a, he might play him on a regular basis, but it's not going to be as, he's not going to be the primary third baseman in my opinion, but we'll see. Um, and I also being cynical and older than you, DJ, don't see and Tom, I think, don't see um Bellinger as being dropped in at you know hitting four, hitting five and uh 40 homers, or what did you say? Something like that. Um so I've got him betting eighth playing center field. And Barnhart, poor boy, everybody's got him betting ninth. Well, I've I've come all the way back around on Bellinger as as we remember our our uh free agent yeah you were cursing yeah i was 
very anti Cody, and you know he's a Cub now, so I'm not really anti. Obviously, he's going to be great. I uh, I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and giving him some uh, cover, let him bat eighth and uh, do his thing. If he comes up and does well, then maybe he can move up and line up. So Horner, Swanson, Hap, Suzuki, Hosmer, Wisdom, Mancini, Bellinger, Barnhart. Okay. All right. Well, I think, uh, and I'll throw mine out here in a moment, but and then we can talk more about it. But what strikes me is that this exercise exposed a lot of what I thought it would, which is that there are a lot of guys in this lineup where we kind of have a, a sense of how good they are. And they're most of, you know, for the most part, they're fine, maybe not as good as you'd like, but but close enough there too to feel okay about them. But it's sort of hard to slot people into clear roles because we just have that uncertainty about for Saya. I, we all feel pretty confident in Saya, but what shape is that production going to take? And depending on what shape you think that is, it affects where you'd want to put him in the lineup. Um, same for Hap, even, you know, because he was for a long time this strangely power centric player who then last year added a bunch of contact to the profile but lost some power in the in the exchange you know and um even swanson who's a guy with a bit longer track record and now obviously the big contract dj you alluded to that that comes with expectations but it's not clear exactly what form that expectation will will take in every situation so uh my lineup does start with Ian Happ right at the top. Um, okay. I think because, first of all, at Cubs convention, Ross did was interviewed about what the lineup would look like and the fact that there's not an obvious leadoff hitter. Happ is one guy he threw out there, which I don't think he necessarily would have done without consulting with Ian over whether it's something he's comfortable trying again. It, I say again because we did see Happ do this a bit in 2018 especially um right it wasn't a super successful experiment at that point but he was a very different hitter then than he is now and i think the approach changes he made last year i get every sense that he intends to carry them forward into 2023 and i think he can do it and i even think it's going to be kind of good for him to to sit at the top of the lineup and try to do those things and some of the things he does well can then trickle down the lineup too. Especially, you know, he's got good speed. I think he might, you know, want to go out and steal the extra base when he gets the odd opportunity here in his walk year. And there are these tiny advantages that have been added to base runners this year. We could see him get on base a fair clip. In the process, he will give the people further down the lineup information, whether it's uh, just having forcing the opposing pitcher to throw more pitches or if he makes an out, he'll come back and talk it through with guys. He's a good leader and communicator that way. Thinks hitting through really well. I also think when he gets on base, he's, he's going to be using those legs. So I've got Ian at the top. I've got Swanson batting second uh, as DJ and dad did. I think I got Cody Ballinger slided in, slotted into bat third. Not necessarily because wow. I think he's going to hit those 40 homers. This is kind of me 
doing my saber nerd thing when you're you know writing out a lineup statistically the most important slots are one two four and then five a bit ahead of three and when you have that third spot you know it's just too often that guy's going to come up with two outs and nobody on and so i kind of like cody sitting there because i do think there's upside and i think you know it's also nice that he's left-handed and will fit between swanson and say a suzuki who i have batting cleanup um and forces the matchups that way later in the game but i also think he might just be tapping into quite a bit of power again now that he's fully healthy really for the first time since 20 early 2020 uh and that's that's a long time uh so i think we could see the power rebound and he kind of fits into that spot in the order that way like i said suzuki fifth uh nico horner or suzuki fourth nico horner fifth Mm. osmer sixth mancini seventh uh Tucker Barnhart eighth and playing second uh second leadoff man at the bottom of the order, Chris Morell, uh playing third base. Oh, so you're gonna uh, say Madrigal there for a second. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I we'll see. We'll see how <laughs> spring training goes, but I don't think they're especially serious about giving him a trial at third base. I think that's more of a um, give the poor man something to do because he's not going to be getting even first team reps at second. So um, we'll see how, how that shakes out. But like I said, I think in going through all those, we hit on a lot of the, the questions we have. Uh, anybody have any further ones after hearing them? I still have the question about morale. Um, but the, the, the upside to some of that is that, you know, we talk about the Cubs needing a, a bench bat, but uh, they have some bench bats, um, you know, that given any of those lineups we just threw out, uh, you could have uh, Madrigal, Wisdom, morale all as bench bats. Um, so, yeah, it could be, it, it, it it's, it's uh it's there there's reason to be hopeful. Yeah. Does Bodie make the team? Oh wow, good question. He's not Is there space for a roster him? that I'm looking at. Yeah, he's so he's still in the organization, but he's not on the 40 man anymore. Uh right. so he would have to blow their doors off in spring training to make the team. Wow. Because if he did, he'd be creating a 40 man problem for you much more likely is that he goes to Iowa and um, kind of waits for injuries to happen. And I do think it would probably have to be injury. I don't, for him to play his way past, you know, not just wisdom or Morel, but both and also Madrigal and also Zach McKinstry and Miles Mastroboni. Unless there's a very unfortunate, like, you know, bus accident for you know on the way to surprise for some spring training game i think david's gonna have to just wait his turn um and that don't, a, should only really happen to the to the, the mhc so 
Yeah. Uh, yeah well, go dark again. Sorry. <laughs> I took it there. I'm not sure why, but you know, again, the point is that it, apples like, and apple falling from far from the tree thing. It's it's not one or two guys. It's four or five who would have to be playing pretty poorly and Bodie playing well for him to come back into the roster picture in a serious way. Uh, I do like what you said, Tom, about with regard to wisdom and morale, where like when they're facing a lefty, I think it's pretty easy to get both of them into the lineup. Um, I love indirect platoons. And I kind of think that's what you might see is um, because wisdom can play some first because Mancini can play first or DH. Right. When there's facing a lefty, if it's a lefty's, you know, pitch types and everything match up right for this. You could sit down Hosmer, slide Mancini or Wisdom into first. The other one DHs. That's when Morel comes in to play third. If when you've got a righty going, it's Wisdom playing third sometimes. That's fine. The also, the other nice thing is uh, Morel crushes off speed stuff, but can't catch up to heat right now. He's got great bat speed, but I think. One of the weird things that I feel like I've been learning over the last few years is bat speed helps you crush off-speed stuff by waiting on it and then getting out around it and pulling it with authority. It doesn't help as much as you might think hitting fastballs. And especially when you've got Morel's style of bat speed where there's this really long load, man. Like there's a lot of movement before he really gets going toward the baseball. Um, that's why he swings and misses so much, but it also makes him very effective against a certain type of pitcher. Well, Mancini, for instance, absolutely obliterates fastballs, but struggles against some of the stuff that Morel does well against. So you can play matchups, not even just based on handedness, but also other stuff, which teams around the league are starting to do more of. And I kind of think it's what the Cubs want to do too, based on the team they've cobbled together here it feels kind of a little cobbled to an extent uh when when we i haven't i haven't made a lineup like out, out like this in quite a while um i don't know 50 years but um maybe uh-huh. not quite that long uh, but you know when you're when i was a kid i used to do this all the time and uh it when i was doing it it was it kind of felt like that again felt like a I felt like a 13 or 14 or 15 year old cub fan um I don't remember the the lineup what it was like then but when I look at Hosmer and Mancini yeah they had they were decent at one point are they still we hope we're hoping that they're decent still uh and that was kind of what how it felt when I was you know back in the days like hey we're gonna slide in Barry foot every day hey that could be okay and that, you know, it wasn't, it was just, you know, optimism, uh, cub fan optimism yeah. uh, showing through. Hopefully, hopefully you still have that. Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean, Todd. Like when we There's got Gene Kleins, of- it's like, wow, he won a world championship <laughs> Pirates eight years ago. You know, we got, yeah. and yeah, yeah, he wasn't really even that good for the Pirates and he was like less good for the Cubs, but it was exciting. Yeah, yeah right. Well, definitely. <laughs> I mean, some of these guys, Mancini and Hosmer, especially Barnhart, Tyone, really. Okay. So most of the guys they've acquired this 
winter, certainly Swanson too. Uh, they were acquired partially with an eye toward these guys have won other places and there's, they're expected to be really good in the clubhouse. So in that way, um, it adds a little bit of a wrinkle and a, a difficulty level for Ross because he has to manage. Hopefully those guys will make his job easier on some level, helping bring along young guys, communicating well, picking up the widow advantages you're supposed to by being a, a savvy team, invested in each other, knowing how to show up to work and be a veteran and all of that. But also like, what if Matt Mervis is slugging? Oh, right. Start sitting yeah. Eric Hosmer more often. You have to find the tactful way to do that where Hosmer doesn't start getting cranky, but you know, where, where he's still adding value to your clubhouse instead of tearing it away by being yeah. wounded that he's not in the lineup as much. Well, didn't that, uh, didn't that happen to him last year anyway? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> there is a little bit of, you sort of hope that by now, Eric Hosmer's ego has been smashed to bits because <laughs> he spent the last two years being in like trade rumors where the Padres would desperately add a prospect to him just to yeah. get someone to take his yeah. contract. Like, take his salary. Yeah. You can, you can only have so much ego left. Um, so, and that, that works in their favor. And I do think they're hoping just to do the old branch Ricky thing, quality out of quantity, right? Some of it mm-hmm. is if we have Mancini and Hosmer and Mervis in the wings and Cody Bellinger and Saya and Hap and Brennan Davis in the minors, surely some combination, some sufficient combination of those guys is going to be healthy and productive that we can be competitive. And in the meantime, we haven't spent massively in free agency and left ourselves tied up for the next uh, year or two. We have more flexibility going into future seasons. But that was a real good discussion around the lineup. We're going to come back after a short break and talk about who we have penciled in to the 2023 rotation right now. Okay, now that we have these lineups, we have all these new faces. I know Matt's going to know these right away, Matt, so maybe just wait and let the others answer first. Who had the most homers of the guys we project in our lineup last year? Obviously, you know that not everyone was playing on the team. Right. Um, hmm. Who had the last or who do we expect to have the most? This year, who, who had, had, last year? Who had, the, who most had the most last year? Was it Mancini? Nope. I mean, Hap had all his home runs. It's that's too easy. Was it Cody? Not Cody. No, not Cody. Swansby huh. only had like nineteen or so, didn't he? See, this was interesting to me. Is it Swansby? Matt. Yeah. yeah right. He had uh, 28, 29 last year. Oh, did he really? Wow. Did he really? Wow. Right. Hold, up. Hold up. I think he had, <laughs> this is going to be embarrassing if I'm wrong, but I think he had 25. Oh, maybe it was 2021 that he had closer to 30. And if then, only there was something in our computers, we could look up anything <laughs> yeah, I know. we needed to. Oh, well. So he had 25, and who also had 25 last year? 
Oh boy. It wasn't Nico. And was a cub all year. It was a he was a cub all year. Oh, uh Pat Wisdom. Wisdom, yeah. See, oh. those were not the two I was thinking of. I'm writing yeah. down how many homers and I'm like, I gotta ask these guys. Huh. So then and then I looked up the baseball reference projections for all the guys I have in my lineup. Uh Suzuki, they have going from 14 to 12. Swanson, they have going from 25 down to 22. Horner from 10 down to 8. Tap from 17 up to 20. Bellinger from 19 to 17. Uh. Osmer from 8 up to 11. Sini <laughs> from 18 down to 17. Wisdom stays about even, 25 down to 24. But then Barnhart, 1 to 7. So Whoa, power surge. Uh, Overall, a breakout. overall yeah. not great Homer that's, projections. That's great, yeah. Thanks to baseball reference. What the, what oh, the hell could they possibly base that on? <laughs> that's a Matt what? question, not me. But yeah. I, I would not have guessed wisdom. I should have. And then, obviously, you know, we all struggled through that. So, thought it was fun to share. Yeah. No, it's, the whiz. I, it's easy to forget. And he had such a roller coaster of a season um i know he was frustrated because he kind of came out of his approach for a good chunk in the middle of the year trying to eliminate some of the swing and miss in his game um but just in a way that that amount of swing and miss is not reducible in his game and so all he was doing was giving away his power for really no substantial return um but yeah, I do think we we underrate Patrick Wisdom, um, which doesn't mean that wow. he's a star or that he should be guaranteed a, a spot in the middle of the order or anything. But he's been steady. He's been he's been a performer ever since they put him in there. And if he just got, I I will say, if he just got right back to where he was defensively in twenty twenty one, if he shook off the the rash of errors that he had there last year then i think you could feel decent about slotting him in at third uh, probably better than you do about morale although we'll see how he looks at third in spring training and then yeah it's a solid source of power probably still near the bottom of your lineup but that's okay um it just i think those projections are telling and it is I, I think unavoidable that the Cubs have kind of an underpowered lineup at this point by choice because they prioritize defense in a lot of places um, and they're holding some spots kind of halfway open for guys they expect to come through in the future. Um, but also, I don't know, baseball reference uses projections that are useful, but not necessarily the most robust in the industry and also not adjusted as carefully for like playing time expectations as some other ones will be. So I wouldn't go, I wouldn't get too concerned about that, but it's a solid point you raise. And um, I think those numbers tell a version of the truth, just maybe not the full unadulterated one. Even still, we could have six guys with 20 homers. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think that's going through these, we're reminded that there is a decent amount of upside that they've created here. It just, 
it feels like with so many guys where we see both the upside and the downside so clearly, it feels unlikely that they're going to have five of the six riskiest cases tip in their direction, which is kind of what they need to have a really strong lineup. Yeah. Uh, But it could happen. It feels like uh, these a lot of these guys are placeholders for something that's going to happen in two years. Yeah, I don't know what it is yet. I mean, Hosmer is not going to be the first baseman in three years from now. Um, Murphys yeah. and uh, the PCA. best defensive center fielder in the game will will eventually right. come up. Yeah, right. So you know, right so, now they're they're placeholders. Yeah, yeah. What? Well, Another thing that Jed said on that podcast that I was listening to was that they went to pretty much everybody you can think of who was on that championship team that you might have wanted to see them keep around. They went to them all the winter after winning the series in 2016. That's still a long way from free agency for the vast majority of them. And explored extensions with them brought them numbers they thought were right in line with the market, maybe even a hair above in some cases. And the guys just really weren't that interested. And Jed Hmm. said he didn't blame them. It was just, they were rock stars at that point. He said something like they were falling out of bed and making money. Hmm. Uh, Endorsements flying at you. You can go sign autographs for pretty much as much as you want, pretty much any time you want. Um, Plus they were all, you know, they were all, they'd all been pretty high bonus guys coming out of Latin America or uh, first round draft picks. So they had almost never run out of that money before they started having big league money flow into them. And this wasn't all stuff he was saying explicitly, but what it made me think was something I think we've all thought before, which is they paid a bit of a price for winning so fast, for getting to the pinnacle so early in the process of that particular build and for having all those guys lined up together um, where they were all headed toward sort of the same free agent cliff as it were, right? Taking the same steps, becoming arbitration eligible at the same times. That's hard to manage and it's hard um, hard to even work around by signing one guy to an extension because one guy's gotta take it and they're all in the same position and the position looks advantageous to them and none of them necessarily want to take it. I think, I think that that might be a part of what they're thinking this time around and why they're maybe being a little more patient than we would have liked a little less splashy than we might've imagined this past, this winter was just, we're going to add quality players. Maybe every year we add a quality player or two or three in free agency, but we also expect to keep a pipeline flowing of young guys. And we don't necessarily keep everyone, you know, we don't want this giant one tsunami of a wave that crashes onto the big league roster. Maybe we win a series or maybe we don't, but then it's impossible to lock them up. They want to have a little bit more of that ability to establish cost certainty and stuff. And some of that comes with being more patient. So maybe that's what they're trying to do this time. I don't know. You know, it's interesting. DJ's question, if he would have posed it in the off season after 2016 or 2017 
we all would have gotten like the top five or six Cubs hitters with yeah. most home runs. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. had a stable team. It was a good team. A lot more of us had cable and we're watching the games on TV. Not that, by the way, cable is going to help all that much in the not so distant future. Maybe. Uh, but we can talk about that another time. Yeah, it's did, a good did point. You, what? Did you guys see the uh, the Brewers network? Uh, Cubs or uh, Brewers Bucks network, the Valley Sports. So they kind of took over for Fox Sports North, right. I believe. And now they are <laughs> at least there's talk that they're going to, but they might have already filed for bankruptcy. And we're, we're only a few years into that. Wow. Yeah. And this is not Brewer specific. Um, all of Valley Sports filed for bankruptcy. Wow. It's a crisis to the regional sports <clears throat> network model. Um, what the effects are going to be are still pretty unpredictable right now, and they're going to take a while to play out. Bankruptcies move pretty slowly. Probably we won't see a lot of changes in the way you watch games or changes in how much money teams are getting from their RSNs and stuff, even during this season. But by next year, some stuff's going to be different. Um, and the league is scrambling a little bit to figure out how to work through this. So yeah, it's a, it's a big story. I just don't think even the like experts don't seem to have their arms fully around what its implications are going to be yet, but yeah. And by the way, the Cubs are not going to be immune from that. Um, they, so really Sinclair broadcasting, which Anyway, Sinclair Broadcasting has managed, sort of bought up and created Valley Sports. And they're the ones who have sort of mismanaged this. And they're the entity that's now sending Valley Sports into bankruptcy. Well, Sinclair also partnered with the Cubs on Marquee for uh, distribution and stuff. They, they got, they're a part of that, tied in. It's not the same oh, wow. as if the Cubs just had Valley Sports Chicago, but they're going to be hooked in in some way too before this process is over. They might have less exposure than some of those other teams, but not none. Anyway, we promised you guys our starting rotations too. So let's uh, quickly go around and talk about who we see being in the rotation on opening day as well. This time I'll start and we'll go in reverse of our previous order. Um, so let me just throw out who I've got and tell you quickly why. I've got Marcus Stroman in, in no particular order here because that doesn't matter nearly as much as batting order does. I got Marcus Stroman, Jameson Tyone, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley, and Hayden Wesneski. Hmm. Um, at this point, it doesn't sound like Kyle Hendricks is going to be healthy come opening day. I am fine with keeping a spot or sort of a half spot open for him. Um, if he comes back in May and he's looking good, obviously you just slot him in and, you know, you figure out what that means. If he's back by opening day, but you need to sort of limp him along, you might run a six man rotation, which we talked about on one of our first two episodes. <laughs> I think. Um, but in the meantime, those are the five that I have slotted in there. Dad, what have you got? 
strangely the same, except I had one more person. I, I did the six man thing. I added Hendricks. I didn't know, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on with his health, but um, I couldn't keep him off because, you know, he's meant a lot to us. Um, and I couldn't see who else to sit down um, because, I mean, it's really a, I don't know if you wrote, I don't know if you'd call it a strong rotation, rotation or just a, uh, adequate or, or that's and that's a, that's an in, inadequate uh, adjective so uh, I don't know I mean it's just it's they're they seem to be decent pitchers um, and I think so much more highly of Smiley than I did before I found that his name was Todd right uh, right that's obviously important and I didn't even yeah. take that into my analysis <laughs> I might have to yeah. move him up to third in the rotation <clears throat> I added, I, I made sure he's, I put him at the top of the list because of that. So, uh, it, I mean, if he's lived through that, he can live through anything. So, opening, uh, yeah. opening day starter, huh? <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I, and, and I was trying to think of who that might be. It's probably going to be Strowman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, my five, the six people in my five man rotation are Hendrix, Smiley, Steele, Strowman, Wesneski, and Tyon. Okay. Sounds good too. Deej? I think Tom's next, right? Oh, I guess uh, so. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, yeah. Strowman, Tyan, Steele, Wesneski, Smiley. Strowman? Say it Tyon, Steele, Wesneski, Smiley. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, think there are two Cubs who are going to disappoint and it has nothing to do with, I love both these guys. I think I mentioned wisdom. And I, I don't think Hendricks is ever going to be good again. And I hope I'm yeah. wrong. I, I don't see uh, in a, prove in me a wrong. rotation. Prove, prove me wrong. wrong, Kyle. Prove us, prove us wrong, Kyle. It's <laughs> uh, not just a shoulder injury, but an enigmatic shoulder injury. That is never good. <laughs> Those those don't tend to end well. So, I did, I did the exact same thing as Todd. Kind of, kind of gave Hendricks a spot that maybe he doesn't deserve, and I went with yeah. the six man. But I actually did pick my order. Oh, good. I, because I like right, right, left, right, right, left. Uh, and I know Matt probably has opinions about how a rain out blows that. And then halfway through the season, it's left, left, and then four rights anyway. And he's probably right. Um, but if this was a playoff rotation, um, you would never go with six guys anyway. But here we go. Yeah. I have Stroman, Tyon, Steele, and then Kyle. I'm really not hopeful, but he's there. Uh, he's earned that, I still think. Uh, yeah. Then Wisniewski and then Smiley. So. Same same thing as Todd. Same yeah. thing as pretty much all of you. So we uh we all love Hendrix, but we know that it's yeah. probably done and we hope we're on. We got Thompson, we got Sampson. I mean, as Todd said, I think we got some depth. Yeah. We got a lot of number fours. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which make like I said, it's not maybe not a strong rotation, but it's solid. That's the word I'm looking for. Solid. Yeah. It is. And I like I even especially like the idea of a six-man rotation for this group because, as we have already touched on, the bullpen isn't like a bunch of fire-breathing dragons. I, not that I don't trust the front office to have put together a decent bullpen. I kind of think they have, and 
we'll add something else to it even. Um, but it's the kind of group you'd like to put less pressure on if you can. And one of the benefits of a six-man rotation is those guys then are fresher and you can have them go the extra two or three outs into a game sometimes, which mm-hmm. shortens, you know, so I don't necessarily need an eight-man bullpen certainly if you're already struggling to find eight good relief arms in the first place. And I especially like the idea of still having seven available relievers, but six starters who are each aiming when they start to make a start to get six or seven innings into a game instead of the modern standard, which seems to be five and six if you're really cruising, right? Um. So question, this is a little ridiculous, but maybe this will kind of underscore um, what's involved in the pitching effort. Let's say you had a, not a six-man rotation, but a six-spot rotation, and you have the same person pitching on uh, the first slot and the fourth slot, and they're they're um, switching arms. So they're going righty on the first <laughs> slot, and then they're, 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 they, they hit the fourth slot, and they go lefty. Can you do that? Is it just your arm that tires out? Is it just your arm that would prevent you from starting every third day? Or is it your back, your legs, et cetera? Yeah, no, I think I think it takes it out of your legs and back, shoulder, or shoulders. Um, I don't think it's just your arm, you know. Yeah, it definitely does take a toll on other body parts, but I think it's kind of, um, it's still one-sided in that way like i think most well, of it, the... it is but think of the uh the the uh just the the effort and the you know what go what, what did you have to go through to pitch a you know five or six or seven innings you know especially if you go on eight or nine just what that takes uh from a stamina standpoint uh to do that again three days later i, I just don't know that it's 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 the thing that you can do uh from a heroic standpoint in the playoffs or the world series but to do that all season long would kill a man hold on though i mean don't we already have examples of this like the the guys in the minors who threw with their right arm and then threw with their left arm those guys weren't going out two days later oh my right arm's fine so i can throw on that one they were they were still in the five five or six days weren't they so i think so they've I think actually that kind of answers the question but i would have to look i think most of those guys have tended to be relievers who are then used in matchup roles anyway right yeah, um, probably yeah i my opinion is i do think you could manage it and a guy could go every three or four days uh based you know just based on like the sheer stamina part like the the cardiovascular the aerobic the core muscle stuff i think you could handle and i think you know most obviously most of the toll of pitching goes on your pitching arm and then your landing leg and if you switch arms your your pitching arm and your landing leg switch so i think you could do it if you found somebody talented enough to do it um, but it's a really fun thought experiment. And dad, I do it. I, I definitely understand where your concerns come from. Um, but 
But if Shohei Otani can do what he does, then I think that's because one way that he manages it is by being a right-handed pitcher and a left-handed batter too. Um, some of the some of the strains and uh, workloads are counterbalanced that way. And so he's able to be basically an everyday DH who also pitches once a week. Uh, if he can do that, I think a guy could make two starts a week using opposite arms. And now I desperately want to try it. So, <laughs> so yeah. but how many? But well, Tony's got a little brother that does that, I think. How many pitchers are often throwing from different slots intentionally? I mean, isn't that usually when they're freaking out and then their pitching coach is coming out and telling them they're doing something wrong and then they're watching video, they're not hitting their slot and they're like so focused on that slot that they always want to pitch from. Can you imagine telling these people then, okay, switch it up every once in a while, screw it, do whatever you want, save your arm, throw from different slots all the time. I mean, that would... Like from a psychological standpoint, I think you would break <laughs> pitchers. Well, hang on now. We're not talking about throwing from a different slot though. We're talking about throwing with a different arm. I mean, that's a different, it's like being a switch hitter at that point, which I don't understand how people are switch hitters either. That blows my mind. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a task that I could envision someone learning. I just don't know. I don't know. I will say someone there was a story not long ago about how Shohei is like probably not going to go anywhere different. You know, he's not going to chase a lifestyle in New York or something when he's a free agent next year because he basically never leaves his house other than to play baseball. He's just he's a baseball rat. Is that right? I think you kind of have to be a super baseball rat to do anything akin to what he does. So you got to find not just someone with incredible mega talent, but also that level of dedication to the craft. And maybe that's too much to ask. I don't know. Yeah. You're not hanging out with Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford every night, I guess. Yeah. So look forward about 15 years and it's probably going to be Matt's son that is, that's doing this Sorkin. (laughs) He throws like he throws with either arm. Just almost equally well. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I uh, and he's he's got the discipline and dedication. Right now, he's applying it to karate, but you know, uh, we'll see, we'll see where everything goes. He's get him signed up for little league this year and get it started. I'm gonna Are have they pitching him pitch in the ball this year, or is it um t-ball? Uh, it'll be pitching, but mm-hmm. I don't know the level of it all quite yet. I gotta gotta get on that. Add it to my to-do list. Uh. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to but, start bouncing those college offers soon then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to really, retire and become his manager. It's a yeah. lot simpler than it used to be. Uh, name me your price on name, image, and likeness, and uh, I'm, we're going to go where the money is. So <laughs> you don't have to wait till the pros anymore. E- even some of the better high schools, name, image, and likeness money. How much are you going to give me? Uh, all right. Well, that's a good conversation. And, well, I, I guess one thing I did want to touch on before we move on to our odds and ends is uh, we all had Hayden Wesneski in the rotation, and that made yeah. me happy. Uh, there is a 
significant segment of the Cubs fan base that seems to be expecting him to start the year again in Iowa. Hmm. Dude is like 26 years old. He's already made 25 AAA starts across the Yankees and Cubs systems. Uh, unless he has just a train wreck of a spring and you, you have to go send him out there to reset. I want that man on the, on the parent club and camp breaks. Um, so that's it seemed to me that he pitched well here, enough here. down the stretch to 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 warrant that as well. Yeah, although then you know you add add Tyone and bring back Smiley. Yeah, true. People are healthy. It's it's a bit of a pinch, but I, a real quick question on the on the pitchers. We got Smiley. Why did we not go after uh, Miley and Wiley? <laughs> Miley Miley went to the Brewers. Yeah, I know, but okay, no, it's a reunion for him. I think that was a good move by them too, but we'll see how it all plays out. All right. Uh, let's see. We're going to move into our final segments for this week. And I guess I can start us off with the random cub. If you guys would like, there we go. Sure. All right. And I made this one. It, it'll at least seem pretty easy. And then we'll see how, how good you guys memory is on this particular evening. But this is not like a guy who blipped onto the radar screen for 30 games or something. I am describing to you a right-handed relief pitcher who pitched for the Cubs from 2004 all the way through 2008. Five years. He made 265 appearances, went 13-7 and with a 3.57 ERA, all out of the bullpen. He had 59 games finished, but only one save, which I think is kind of funny. 262 innings pitched, 270 strikeouts, more than one per inning, 128 walks. 6'2", 225, from Austin, Minnesota. Who is he? Mike Remlinger. No. Right-handed. Mike was right-handed. Oh, I, didn't hear, left. I didn't. I didn't hear the right-handed part. Yeah. Ooh. Bobby, Howard. he's a, a relief pitcher. A relief pitcher. You notice that in our previous segment, we didn't list the relief pitchers because relief pitchers are not overly exciting people. <laughs> I would describe yeah. this guy just based on everything we ever saw of him on the field as not an overly exciting guy too, but uh, it's, is it the, wait a minute though. What year did you say? 2004 through 2008. I think this is the right time frame. Is it one of the, the uh, four totally unrelated people, Todd Wellmeyer? (laughs) It is not Todd Wellmeyer. Oh shoot. Okay. He was a righty one. Yeah, he was a righty. It's not Marmol. Marmol, no, no. Barnesworth, Borowski, no. Borowski, no. not Borowski. Okay. This guy was an eleventh round draft pick by the Cubs in nineteen ninety seven. Holy crap! Took him seven years to make his way up through the system, and then he pitched for a bunch of good Cubs teams from 04 to well obviously he pitched for two lousy ones too in 05 and 06 but you know he was he was around for some good times and not an unuseful pitcher as his stats imply just 
He walked too many guys, had a really good slider, really good, but couldn't always command it and never really earned the trust of either Dusty or Lou, as evidenced by the one save. He was just not that good in the clutch, but good, good little middle reliever. Uh, was he white? He was white. Yikes. Scott Air. It's not Scott Air. It's not Bob one. Howry. This was a our it has to be Bob grown. Howry, though. <laughs> I know, right? It has to be Bob Howry. Are you sure it's not Bob Howry? I'm I'm positive. <laughs> I but believe... he, and he was not a closer. No. No, or a really bad one if you only saved one game in five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, let's, I don't know. Um, let's try to unlock where did, where, did he, where did he go after us? Yeah. Oakland. They traded him to Oakland in February of 09. Let's try to unlock Todd's one weird trick. He wore number 43. 43. Mike. Thick naked. Mike something, right? Mike, Michael. yeah, or yeah. Re- no, you said Remlinger already. Michael, uh, Michael. It was Michael something. Yeah. Oh, oh hell yes. Michael Words. Yeah. Michael Words. Ah. I'm did it. Is it him? Tom gets the win. Michael yeah. Words. No. I, I had to have the Michael. I had him. I had DJ him. will I'll split it with you because there's right, no right. way I would have gotten it. The Michael. Michael yeah. Words. I can't, work, you guys. I'm proud can't of say you. I remember was, him. It's he was around a long time and not like uninvolved mm-hmm. for the 07 or 08 Cubs, huh. but you know, just not nice uh, work, Tom. I it was the Michael that did it. Yeah, I remember the name, but it's we didn't meet much him at him. Cubs convention, huh? I think we might have, but he was, as I said, not a super memorable guy, which is why he almost slipped through you guys' fingers. No, you're too good for that. I still think it was Bob Howry, but th- I'm glad we got it. <laughs> well, I'll ag- agree to disagree. <laughs> All right. Dad, hit us with a horticulture tip. Okay, so um, I've been doing a lot of this lately, and I'm going to do it again. Um, plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead. Uh, after our last cast, uh, I went back and forth with – I'll do a backhanded shout-out to uh, – our old buddy, Steve Field, who I went to high school with, Tom went to high school with. Um, and we I, we went back and forth about him establishing some or uh, improving some lawn area. Um, and one thing that I did not mention to him, so Steve, if you're listening, I, you need to take this into consideration. If he's what he wants to do is, is Im- improve his lawn space. Uh, so I've uh, giving him some uh, advice on that. And I can give anyone advice that wants to contact me. Um, but one thing I forgot to mention that is if you are going to want to overseed your lawn in the spring, you need to think about whether or not you currently have a uh, lawn care program, such as true green or spring green or any of those that are green or think they're green and what they're going to be putting down on your lawn in the first application of the spring. The first application of the spring usually is a, a turf fertilizer plus crabgrass preventer. And crabgrass preventer is not specific only to crabgrass. What it does is it sterilizes 
crabgrass seed because crabgrass is an annual plant that reseeds every spring. Um, the what it does is sterilize seeds. So if you put down seed, it's this stuff is going to sterilize your seed. So you've got to make sure that if you're going to be doing lawn renovation in the spring, make sure that your lawn care company does not put down crabgrass preventer. So think ahead, think ahead, think ahead. Call me if you need me. We're going to need you. Yeah. yeah okay. You're the so only one me. I trust, Todd. Yeah. And that's, and for good reason. I think it's probably a trustworthy field, wouldn't you say, or no? Be honest. Uh, uh, I mean, we're not talking auto mechanics here, right? <laughs> auto mechanics have gotten better in our, in our lifetime, but actually, they um, have. I yeah, love I'm them. not. I, there's there's still some people out there. They're not. It's I don't wouldn't call uh, some of my competitors uh, untrustworthy. I would call them maybe potentially stupid. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> kind of results in the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Comes, All Todd comes to the same point. Yeah. Although, although used landscape salesman, that that gets a little. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to do too. They have a terrible reputation. <laughs> the resale value is not high. You really want to focus on the certified pre-owned landscape. <laughs> pre-owned. <laughs> All right, I'll be quick, and then we'll get Tom in here. Okay. My tax tip is, uh, you know, most people probably realize that there's the, a shortage of CPAs and tax accountants, and. Uh, you know, a lot of them are dying off and retiring and people aren't taking on the practice. So you're looking for an accountant and it's not cheap right now because there's, there's not people that can do it. Right. So we got to charge more and service the ones we can. Uh, good news for you is the IRS has a service called free file. Uh, you can use their website, go on the IRS website, IRS free file. If you have an AGI of 73,000 or less, you can use their free service online and file your federal return. You might have to pay for your state, depending on the state, uh, but you'll pay a lot more than even probably an H&R block. So check that out and don't go the CPA route for an easy return. That was AGI, not ERA. <laughs> What's that? That was AGI, you said, not ERA? Correct. Adjusted okay. gross income. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, Tom, three minutes. All right. I like it. Okay. So, um, it's uh, Black History Month, first day up, and uh, we've got a couple of quick things here. The, the first one's not so great. The second one's better. So in 1987, Don Newcomb was working in the Dodgers front office, and um, they kind of noticed that there weren't too many Black fans, and he somehow did a survey. I'm not sure how they determined this, but of the 26,000 season ticket holders, Dodgers season ticket holders in 1987, 50 were Black. Wow. So around the league, they started kind of, you know, a few teams started doing an inventory. The White Sox that year found out that they had how many season black season ticket holders? 51. Oh. oh, no. Zero. Wow. In the midst Seriously? of the largest uh, black uh, neighborhood in the country, Chicago South wow. Side. Yeah. Ouch. So uh, let's go back even further. 1976. And El Batty title, it's the weekend. It's Saturday, last weekend of the season. It's Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Sr. versus Bill Madlock, the Cubs' very own. Ken yeah. Griffey Sr. leads Bill Madlock 337 to 333. Okay, that's after Saturday's game, one game left. Saturday night, Bill Madlock, Cubs' third baseman, is mugged. He's beaten. So the next day, yeah. he's sore, he's weak but he's down four points and he says, I'm going to play. Griffey decides to sit 
Madlock comes up, gets a hit, comes up again, gets a hit, comes up again, gets a hit. It's 337 <laughs> to 337. Madlock keeps it together one more time. Fourth AB gets a hit. So now he's up 339 to 337. They rush Griffey into the game. He pinches, <laughs> strikes out. Madlock wins 339 to 336, striking a blow for integrity. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. And muggers. actually mugged, like physically in pain. Physically mugged. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Madlock was just, he was an incredible hitter. And in, uh, another one of those trades that, uh, man. Yeah. But Steve Onaferis, you know. right? Yep. That's Steve Onaferis, yep. number yep. 16. <laughs> and that's a perfect way to come full circle on episode 16 of This Is Not a Rebuild. I'll be back real briefly to do some housekeeping, but thank you everyone and have a good night. And just to wrap up with that promised housekeeping, this has been episode 16 of This Is Not a Rebuild. You can still find us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Subscribe to our show, rate it and review it. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to hear less of. Uh, Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at not a rebuild. And we will be back next week with episode 17. Thank you.